Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Uh, so that's today from 2 to 4. All right, everybody? Awesome. Well, let's do this. We are in this series called Goosebumps, Not-So-Scary Stories About the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're actually wrapping up the series today. And what we've been doing is looking at a problem that existed in the uh, early church, the very first church that was established after Jesus left this earth. Uh, and it was it is this problem exactly. Uh, this is our main text for what we're doing is in, from Acts 19, verses 1 through 2. It's this this. Verse is talking about two guys who were out sharing the gospel, the good news that Jesus had died and resurrected from the dead and, and why he had done that. And that's what we call the gospel. It's, it means good news. And they're out preaching this. So Apollos was at Corinth, the city of Corinth, which is where we get the book First and Second Corinthians. That book, those letters were written to them. But Paul took the road uh, through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And by the way, that's where that book in your Bible called Ephesians, that's, that's the city that that letter was written to. And so he says, there he found some disciples, so some followers of Jesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Now, I think that's what the problem is today. I think that, that this was their issue early on, that they hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. They were confused about what that meant, didn't know who it was for, and, and all these things. And, and, and that's the issue today. I think as a church, we understand God the Father. We understand his love for us, and we, we understand who he is. We understand Jesus, and we understand his expression of love for us and how he obediently went to the cross and died for our sins and rose again, and we understand Easter and all that. We don't have a problem with that, but where confusion comes in is, is when we get to the Holy Spirit. We just don't know much about him, and so what we're doing in this series is I'm trying to bring some clarity to who the Holy Spirit is by reclaiming some words that have been used to describe him that over the years have kind of gotten some baggage attached to them, some, some experiences attached to them that have made people say, that's not for me. I don't want the Holy Spirit. I'm happy with God the Father, and I'm happy with God the Son, but, but the Holy Spirit and all that comes with him, I don't want that. Now, people are usually, when you talk to them about being empowered in their lives, like they want God's power, but they don't want all the goofiness that comes with it. Can I get an amen out there, right? So that, that's typically where people are. And so it's important for us, I'm just going back and, and claiming these terms and kind of bringing clarity to what they actually mean. And uh, we started off the series looking at the word Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Like a lot of people, when you start talking about Holy Ghost, this is what the, the translators, they, they took the words originally in Greek and Hebrew and translated them to Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. People are like, anything to do with a ghost, I'm out. Deuces, y'all. I'm, I don't want that, right? And I understand that. But it's not actually what it means. The, the, the words originally written, pneuma or in Greek, or the word in Hebrew is ruach, uh, they, they, they mean a breath of fresh air. And, and that's really what the Holy Spirit is. He's a breath of fresh air. He wants to, to uh, empower your life, to, to put wind back in your sails. That was the first term that we looked at to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit. Second week, we looked at the word Pentecost, 
And uh, if you've been around church for a while, you know that the word Pentecost typically means you either wear way too much makeup or no makeup at all, right? Like that just seems to be your experience with it. And that's not what it means at all. It's not, it's not about, about people who do weird things in church. It's not like that. It's, it's, it, Pentecost was just a Jewish festival. It was them celebrating the fact that God gave them the, the, the law or the Ten Commandments uh, after they left Egypt when they were out in the wilderness. It's just a festival to remember that. But it was on the day of Pentecost... 50 days after Jesus had rose from the dead, or been crucified, excuse me, uh, that, that on the day of Pentecost, the Jewish festival that was happening was the day that the Holy Spirit was given. And, and that's the day that they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about the fact that, yes, the Holy Spirit is, is, means power, but it means power for you, that he wants to empower you for specific things. Third week, we landed on the word charisma or charismatic. And again, People, if you hear the word charismatic, you know, you're thinking snakes and stuff. I mean, like, I asked y'all what you thought, and you're, like, running in the aisles, hooping and hollering, waving flags and snakes and stuff. That's where we landed, isn't it, Sean? That's what Sean said. He said, he said you get some snakes up in there, and I'm out. Me too. I'm gone. Like, if there are snakes here, I'm gone. I don't like snakes. That's, my, that's not my thing. I think there'd be a few, they, few of you that'd be running out the back door with me, right? Having goosebumps. You know what I'm talking about? So, so... That's not what that word means. Charisma, or to be a charismatic, is somebody. Uh, the charisma it just means grace gift. It's a gift that God has given you. That that when you operate in this gift, it's easy for you to do. It's something that is easy for you to do because it's God's divine power working through you to do it. And so, a charismatic doesn't mean somebody that's wild in church. It means somebody that is operating in the gift that God has placed inside them. That's what a charismatic is. And so this week. We are going to reclaim another word as we dispel the myths and bring some clarity to who the Holy Spirit is, because I'm afraid, again, like I said, that you've rejected who he is because of the poor packaging. This week, we're going to claim a term, and it is baptism. And this word baptism isn't just baptism in water, which I'll get to that in just a moment, but it's used in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Peter describes it as baptism in the Spirit, and so... Uh, what is baptism exactly? Well, baptism just means to be fully immersed in. Like, it's something you're, you're not just going to go ankle deep in it. Like, it's a full immersion where you are totally just sitting in it, right? Like, you're out of control, just immersed in this. And so uh, there are three baptisms available for you on your spiritual journey. I want to break those down a little bit for you, and then I'll help you understand some next steps. The first baptism that is available for you on this spiritual journey is to be baptized into the body of Christ. Now, that sounds kind of strange, but let me help you understand what it means. It means that it means salvation. It's like the day that you said yes to Jesus, the day that you invited him into your life, you were baptized into the body of Christ. In other words, you joined this spiritual family, right? You, you fully immersed and said, I'm going to be part of it. Now, it's not religion. It's not joining a church. It's not just about believing in God. It's about salvation is an immersion into a relationship with Christ and his church. It's supposed to be this full-time, passionate relationship with Jesus and his people. It's not just supposed to be a Sunday thing. It's supposed to be a Sunday through Sunday kind of thing. Can I get a witness out there, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. It's not just supposed to be about this day. It fully immersed is what you're supposed to do. So let me show it to you in scriptures. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, for we, speaking to all believers, we we're all baptized by one spirit into one body. Now, that sounds really strange, but let me help you understand. One body simply means God's people. 
that, that, that Paul is talking about it as a body in this moment, specifically in 1 Corinthians 12, because he's talking about the different giftings that we all have, and he talks about it in the form of a body, because as a body, not everybody here is a foot. Wouldn't we all look really weird if all of us were a feet, right? Or if every part of my body was a foot. You know what I'm saying? My body has a lot of different parts. I got fingers, I got toes, I got, I, I got, I got knees and elbows, and like uh, there's different parts to my body. And he's saying, hey, as believers, we are all part of this body. In other words, we all have different roles to play. And so that, that's simply what that means. We were baptized into this family of believers. It's the church, not the, not the building, not these walls. The, the church was never about the walls or the building. It was about the people in the building. Paul says this in Galatians 3. He says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, you said yes to Jesus, invited him to be Lord of your life. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ, right? So here's, here's the deal. He's talking about Jesus is not something that, that you just celebrate on Sundays. When you are bapti- baptized into Christ, you put him on like clothing, like you wear him around. It's like your everyday living. That it's a Monday through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's you walking around with Christ on you, and because you're fully immersed in him, you're a part of a relationship with him. And that's something important. It's an all-in kind of relationship with God that we get to experience. Now, the same thing happened to the disciples. The disciples walked with Jesus, and 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 Jesus, you know, of course, went to the cross, he died, and he resurrected. And the disciples had to have this moment of salvation as well. They had to have this moment where they became fully immersed in the body as well. Though they already believed, there was something more for them. And 40 days after Jesus resurrected, Jesus visits his disciples. And sometimes Jesus did it in a very cool way. I think that if I was Jesus, I would do exactly what he did. Because what Jesus would do was was he would just kind of pop up like just suddenly in place. Let me show it to you in Scripture my friend, by the way, Jason, he's out in California, pastor of Discovery Church. He said, he said that this is just Jesus being playful. And I like that because, again, like I said, if I could do this, I would just to scare my buddies. Look, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. So they're all holded up, right? They're all alone. Doors are locked. The Bible puts that in there. So it's important for you to know that Jesus didn't sneak in. He didn't open a door and sneak in. They were locked for fears of of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, hold up a second. That moment had to be trippy. Can you imagine, like, just being in this room right now and assuming all the doors and windows and everything are locked, and suddenly somebody's standing right there? No puff of smoke. They're just there. That would trip you all out. I would even dare say that some of you all might pee just a little bit. (laughs) That's why I like Jesus. I don't know if he's being playful or not, but I tend to look at it that way, just like my buddy does. I'm like, you know what? I would do that. I would definitely step in. And him saying, peace be with you is like, all right, guys, chill. It's just me. It's okay, you know? Because that's what I do when I scare people. I mean, you want a moment where you startle them, right? And you have a lot of fun, but then you want to go, okay, calm down. It's just me. It's just me. You know, don't, don't freak out. And so Jesus says, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed him his hands and his side just to show him, you know, that's really me. My hands are pierced. My side was pierced with the, with the spear. And he said the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, he says, hey, guys, it's just me. Peace be with you. And then he goes on to say, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
So this right here is the moment for the disciples where their sins are forgiven. See, follow me here, check with me, because the disciples believed that Jesus was the Christ, but they, were, they hadn't had their sins forgiven yet because Jesus hadn't yet died. There was going to be a moment for them, a salvation moment that can happen just like it could happen for you later on, a moment where you receive the Holy Spirit, a moment where, where you receive forgiveness and your, the, the trajectory of your whole life changes. And th- this was that moment for the disciples. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because that's what happens the moment that you get saved. You understand that, right? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that, that nobody has the ability to say that Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit gives them the power to do that. So that means that at the moment that your heart believes you've received the Holy Spirit and that you're able to confess Jesus is Lord of your life, that's what happens, okay? That's this moment for the disciples. So the disciples received and they're, and they're saved. Their sins are forgiven, and that's what happens in this moment. But look at this. Luke also tells the same story. So, so as we look at this here, this, this was John's telling of it. And you know this, that the gospels, the four gospels, the first four books of the New Testament are just four different retellings. There are four different guys telling the same story about Jesus' life. And they often offer different perspective, things that they saw that the other author didn't. And so that was John's telling of that moment. Here's Luke's telling of the same story. He said, while they're still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you, right? This is the moment he just pops into the room. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. That's future tense. It's coming. It's coming. He says, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he says, I'm going to send it, this is future tense. It's, it's coming. But this moment we know right now is where Jesus breathes on, breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So in other words, what I'm telling you is, is that there, this baptism of salvation, when you're baptized into the body of Christ, stands alone, but there's, there's a baptism of power that comes later, and we'll get to that in just a moment. You're saved, but not filled with power yet. And, this, and here's the same story found in the book of Acts. Now, I know I'm getting a little teachy here, but stay with me, all right? This is the same story told three different perspectives here, Okay. This third one says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is speaking of, hey, I know you're saved right now. I know your sins are forgiven right now, but there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit that comes later. There's a, there's a, a power that is coming. And so the disciples up to this point have been baptized into Jesus, baptized into the body, baptized into salvation. And they became part of the body. They became part of the church. But that was the first baptism. Now, here's the second baptism. It's water baptism. It's, it's actually being baptized in water. And this is a separate experience from the salvation experience because here's the deal. You need to understand this baptism in water where they dunk you underwater is not required for salvation. Salvation is a free gift. There's nothing you could do to earn it. That's why this one is separate from the first one. It's a separate experience. The first experience is salvation. The second one is where you get baptized in water. And and here's why it's separate. Because if it became about you getting baptized... It would become, you being saved would be about obedience and something you did to earn it. And that's not what salvation is. You can't earn salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. 
Jesus did it. He paid for it already. So salvation is free for you. It's a free gift. But your next step, your next step is baptism. Here's something else. There's other teachings out there that tell you that when you get baptized, what is said when they dunk you under the water is important. Now, here's what I was always taught. And, and Jesus said, when you go around baptize people, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Those words are in red in your Bible. That means that Jesus, the man that we're talking about here, said them. But then you get to the book of Acts, and Peter says, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. Uh-oh. Now there's confusion. And so now there's two camps that say, well, if you don't get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit the way Jesus said, then, then, it, then it doesn't count, and you don't get to go to heaven. There's some people that say, if you don't get baptized under Jesus' name, then you don't get to go to heaven. There's other churches that are like, we're just going to get this right. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus Christ. Boom, amen. You know, like it's done. Because they're like, we're not going to mess this up. But here's the thing. I don't think you can really mess this up. I don't think any single one of, any one of you, no matter how you've been baptized, are going to get to heaven and you're going to be greeted by St. Peter at the gate, and he's going to say, oh, boy. This is awkward. Uh, so listen, I got to tell you, um, it's not really your fault. Uh, we do apologize, but when you were getting dunked, you were underwater, and you didn't hear it, uh, but they said the wrong words. So I'm not going to let you in here today, but I hear where you're going is really warm, so it'll be fine. That's not going to happen because somebody said the wrong words over you when, when they dunked you under the water. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Baptism is the second step in your journey. And many of you here in this room, you, you've said yes to Jesus and you're walking that life, but you've never taken the second step. You've never had the second baptism or the baptism in water, and you need to. And it's important. And let me explain to you why. Scripturally, we see 27 times people said yes to Jesus, placed their faith in him, and their next thing was they immediately got baptized. 27 times in the New Testament it happened. In fact, in Acts 2, 41, it says those who accepted his message were baptized. Why? Well, here's why. Because placing your faith in Christ is a private thing. It's a private thing. You'll pray a prayer and say, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I need Jesus. And I give you my life that you give me the life of Jesus. Like that, that, that is a simple thing. That is a private moment between you and God that happens. But what needs to happen next is a public statement of what just happened privately. That's what baptism is all about. It gives you an opportunity to have people gather around while you declare that you are in a loving relationship with Jesus. That's what needs to happen. It's kind of like a wedding band. You know, the wedding band that I wear is not what keeps me married. If I take this thing off, which I can't, ah, success. If I take this thing off, I don't stop being married, right? But I wear the wedding band so that I can say, ladies, I'm taken. <laughs> never going to get it, 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 right? Because I'm married. But this, this is a public confession of what's happening on the inside. Because see, what makes me married is my commitment to love my wife. It, it, it's the, 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 the love that I have and that we share and that we give and that we receive. It's that love. That's what it is. That's what, what makes us married. And so, but, but baptism, 
tells everyone outwardly, hey, I've made a commitment to Christ and I need to do this. I'm gonna show you the decision that I've made in, your, in my heart. And we think this is important for you to do. That's why the first Sunday of every month at the 9 a.m. service, we, we use the, the tank. Y'all know there's two churches here under one roof on Sunday mornings, right? The vineyard is down here and Simple Church is down here. And uh, bless God for that because this is a unique situation that's happening. But on Sunday mornings at 9, they're not down there in that auditorium and they let us dunk people down there. So the first Sunday at 9, we go down there and we'll, we'll baptize you. We'll grab a crowd so that you can make a public confession and you, and you can invite your friends and your family to that. We think it's important. It, it is absolutely important. And, and here's why it's important. Your, your salvation needs to go public. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men... I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And you want that, I promise you. But he goes on to say, whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So you're, you're somebody that says, well, my faith is private, just like my politics. I just don't talk about it. Listen, there is a moment you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it. So there's baptism into the body. And then there's water baptism where your faith goes public. And then there's a third baptism as well. And it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, like I said, when they got saved, just like for me and you, we received the Holy Spirit when we were saved. But that wasn't the moment we became baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus wanted them fully immersed in the Holy Spirit because when you're fully immersed means that he's now leading the show. He's now leading your life, guiding you, directing you. He transforms you, makes you brand new, gives you a new way to live. See, when he's leading, everything changes for you. There's power for your life, and it's different when you're fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. In fact, check out the, in Acts 8. You'll see all three baptisms happen here. And this is just part of your journey that God has for you. It says, in Acts 8, 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ, the Christ there. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, all right, see that moment? When they believed, that's the moment they became saved. They received salvation. Their sins are forgiven. That's baptism into the body, baptism into salvation. <clears throat> they were baptized, both men and women, and, and then they were baptized, both men and women, so now this is baptism in water, making public confession. And then when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized. They were fully immersed. They said, this is the moment. I'm going to yield myself to, to all that God has for me. I'm going to yield myself to the Spirit. You say, Aaron, why another experience here? Why are there three? Well, I think there are separate experiences from the first one. They can all happen on the same day and in that same time, like a time frame of a few moments, but I believe they are specific individual moments. I think today you could say yes to Jesus. And if you were really, really like pushing for it, we can find some water and dunk you in some water. And then we could pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Like all that can happen sequentially today, but they are definitely different moments because the first moment has to happen separate from the others because the first moment God wanted you to understand, again, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything for it. You couldn't earn it if you wanted to. And then the set, because the second two require you to do something. Baptism is you doing something to express outwardly what's happening inwardly. And then the baptism in the Holy Spirit, well, this is so that you can be fully immersed in his power so that he can send you. Send you to do what? Be witnesses for him? To live your life in a way that doesn't match what the world is doing so that you're a light among the world so that they'll look at you and go, what is different about you? I got to have it. I got to have it. 
This is what baptism in the Holy Spirit does. It gives you power, not for eternal purposes. Yes, it'll make an impact in eternity because people will see your light and want God, what, want God a relationship with him. So that means more people will be there. But honestly, baptism in water and baptism in the Spirit is for your earthly experience. It's for you to make a public confession here, but it's for power for you to do something here on earth. You won't need it once you get to, to heaven. That, that's just not part of it. And so the purpose of the third baptism here, baptism into the spirit, is because God has work for you to do. He has something that he has wired you to do specifically. We talked all about that last week. Get that message and listen to it. But that work that God has for you to do is going to be something that's beyond your own ability. So we receive baptism in the Holy Spirit. And look at what John said. John is Jesus' best friend, and he had this to say in 1 John, which is a very small book towards the end of the Bible. He has the, he's, John wrote a book that is the Gospels, but then we have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John that are later, in the, later located in your Bible in the New Testament. And he said, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. Notice this. The Father, the Word, so, so the Word, you need to know that what John, John liked to call Jesus the Word. In his first book in the, in the New Testament, the book of John, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and that's a capital W, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus. So we understand that. So he said, so for there are the three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the word, or the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So we see the triune nature of, our, of God, the Trinity, as we call him, in heaven. And then there are three that bear witness on earth for your earthly experience. And it is the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. When you look at those, the blood is the blood Jesus shed for you that equals your salvation. So baptism into salvation. The water, so you get baptized in water for your public confession. And then there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is your spiritual journey. This is what God has for you. And I encourage you to pursue all that God has for you. And here's what I realize. Every single one of you in this room is in a different place in that spiritual journey. Some of you are at the very beginning of it. And you haven't even taken that first step towards Jesus, the first step towards in faith and receive salvation. But all of us here, all of us being on that journey, I don't believe that any of us have actually received all that God has for us. I believe that there's always more that he has for you on next steps. That's why it's important for us to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each of us has been called by God to make a difference. But each of us that has been called by God to make a difference, we need the Holy Spirit so that we can make a God-sized difference. And we do that better when we do all do that together. I get really sad when I see people that refuse a relationship with the Holy Spirit and all that he has to offer because of the poor packaging that he's been presented in over, over the years. People have told you to run from the Holy Spirit because, well, that's goofy, well, the Holy Spirit actually doesn't have Goofy attached to it. Goofy attached itself to the Holy Spirit. Are you all listening to me? And so, so don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You need to run to him. And here's my encouragement to you. Ephesians 5.18 says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because here's the truth. You're looking for something that's going to empower you. And you might be looking for it at the bottom of a bottle. Anybody ever heard of something called a little liquid courage? looking for some power in the bottom of a bottle, and you're not going to find it there. That will not satisfy you. 
He says, hey, don't, don't, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It makes a difference. Don't do the things the world, the way the world does it. Do it the way God has for you. Because you're destined to live a supernatural life, not a natural life. And you can if you'll embrace the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? Let me give you four ways. And, uh, and I promise, I know that I'm well aware that it's getting hotter in here. There was an air conditioner issue this weekend that we thought we had it fixed. So I'm well aware. If it gets too hot in here, uh, we'll just shut her down and I'll post the notes online. Everybody good with that? Oh, you guys aren't as hot as I am? Okay, all right, great, thanks. Well, forgive me for a minute. Mm. First thing that you can do is remove all barriers. Remove all barriers. Listen, God has steps for you in your spiritual journey, but some of you have barriers to taking those steps. And you'll only go as far on your spiritual journey as you are willing to remove those barriers, to remove those things that are in the way. For some of you, God has told you to do something, to take a step, and you're just like, ah, I can't. There's this thing in the way. God said, hey, it's time to get baptized. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm kind of scared of being up in front of people. You got this thing in the way. Some of you, your marriage needs a healing, but there's this thing that's in the way. Others of you, God has called you to take a step, like maybe lead a group, but you're like, oh, I've never done that before. I'm not really sure. I don't have all the answers. You've got all these excuses, and all these excuses as to why you won't lead a group are in the way. And unless you're willing to remove those barriers, you're not going to take the next step on your spiritual journey. Whatever it is, we've got to remove it. Peter said this, Repent and be baptized. So he's talking about turn away from some stuff. You're going to have to remove some barriers and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's going to be, have to be some stuff you're going to need to remove from your life. You're going to have to rearrange yourself in such a way so that you can be obedient to his leading and his direction in your life. And if you'll get that stuff out of the way, then you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, this promise is for you. Everybody say, it's for me? me. Yeah, this promise is for you and your children. And I like this part right here because this part describes me at one point in time in my life. And it says, "And, and for all who are far off. That's good news. That's good news to a person like me because I was far from God. I grew up in church. I knew better, but I took a, I, I went in an intentional opposite direction from my heavenly father. And I walked far away from him. That's good news. That it just isn't for the spiritual elite. It isn't for people who grew up in church and are now pastors or church leaders. It's for you. It's for me. Those of us that are far from God. Yeah, I'm preaching a little bit. I didn't mean to, so I'll just get back to it. It's all right. I know. It says, for all who call or who the Lord, will, the Lord our God will call. Second thing you can do once you remove some barriers is request the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is just you coming to, to God and saying, Holy Spirit, whatever you've got for me, I want it. Whatever gifts you have, whatever way you want to work in my life, I'm ready for it. That believing that whatever it is that God has for you, it's good. Because listen, he's good and he's for you, and he's trustworthy. I understand that there may have been some spiritual leaders in your life, or maybe your daddy, or your mom, or some kind of authority in your life that was not trustworthy, but God is trustworthy. And if he's got something for you, it's not bad. It's always gonna be good. It's good, and you should want it. We have to stop filtering what God is offering us through our own personal lens of what is normal, and what's good for us. 
We need to understand, and if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't have a clue about what's good for us. Because if we did, our lives wouldn't be in the messes they're in. Come on, somebody. Don't get all spiritual on me now. Right? We done made a mess of things already on our own. And so we, we, we can't look and say, well, that's not normal. Listen, you don't want normal anyway because normal hasn't been working. Christianity looks weird to the world, and that needs to be okay. I didn't say it needs to be goofy, okay? I just said it's all right if it's weird, if it's not how everybody else does it. But don't push the things of God away because it doesn't match your picture of normal. Jesus said this, if you then, though, are, though you are evil, so he's talking about us, though we have sin in us, we know how to give good gifts to our children because we do, Right? We want to bless our children. We want, to, we want to dote on our children and be, be a blessing to them. He says, if you who've got sin in your life, he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you everything you've ever wanted? That new Xbox, that new PlayStation, a new car, the girl, the guy, the job, the dream house. Nope, that's not what he says. He compares how we know how to give good gifts to our kids, and that's some of what our kids want is they want the stuff. But God, but he says, but your heavenly father's so good, you know what he's going to give you? The Holy Spirit. And we go, oh, yeah, I know what that is. I don't want anything to do with that. That's goofy. That's not for me. It is for you. He says, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Hmm. Some of you just need to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you, and you can do that today. That's my prayer for you. Third thing you can do is just receive him by faith. Now, listen, when we start talking about faith stuff, people don't, people don't like this part of God. Because to have a relationship with God, he requires that you have faith. Faith means that you're going to take some steps into the unknown, that he's going to call you to do something. He's going to give you opportunities to do some things, and it's going to be outside of your control. You're not going to maybe understand some things. You're going to say, all right, well, I'm going to take this leap of faith, not knowing what's on the other side, just trusting that God is good and he's got something good for me. It's a leap of faith, so you need to receive the Holy Spirit by faith. For me to start this church, this was the great unknown. I had no idea what was going to happen. If we opened the doors of a church, would anybody come? No idea. But my wife and I took a step of faith. Each of you, you take steps of faith too. You make decisions as well. Well, I'm telling you, if this is your first time here, you took a step of faith coming here. Because, listen, I know how hard it is to find a good church. I know how hard it is to, to be bold enough to walk in, to sit down and go, I'm new here. Hello, everybody. I know what that's like. It's terrifying at times. It can be, at least for me. I'm an introvert. I'm just like, oh, dear Lord, people are going to talk to me, right? Because you go to churches and people are friendly, and I just want to sit in the corner and just watch everything as it's happening. <laughs> Come on, you introverts know exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> that's you. All you extroverts are excited when they go, all right, guys, this is the time in their service where we're going to get up and go greet everybody, go say hi to everybody. And you're like, I'm new. Hi, I'm new. Hi, hi. And I'm just sitting there dying inside. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Let me get back to my notes. <laughs> you took a step of faith coming to church today. Others of you take a step of faith when you're like, all right, Aaron, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I've just completed the growth track. I've just learned God's purpose and plan for my life, and now I've joined a team. That, that was a step of faith for you. You have no idea how that's going to work out and what God has for you. Others, you're like doing things like, man, I've been here a while. I've been serving, and, and I feel like God's called me to lead a group. 
I don't know how to do that. I don't have all the answers. I'm not even sure if I can lead, but I'm going to do it because God's leading me to do it, right? You're taking steps of faith. You don't even know what the other side is going to be like. And I'm telling you, God constantly has those opportunities for you. The invitation is always there for you to take more steps of faith. In fact, I love there's this passage in Ezekiel that talks about what our spiritual lives should be like, what being immersed in the Holy Spirit should be like. He says this, uh, and, and this is really just a representative of our, journey, our spiritual journeys. He says, as the man went eastward, this is a dream Ezekiel, a prophet from the Old Testament had. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Some of you are like, Aaron, I'm good, not going all in. I'm good. I've got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I know Jesus, and this is where I want to hang out. Thank you very much. Like, this is you. This is where you live. This is it. This is good enough for you, and you just want to hang out right here, right? See, I can't even do that right. You see, why you watch me, Tree? I can't even. I got nothing. Got no rhythm. This is why my wife, she lets me dance this way. This is it. I can't even do that. But some of you are okay to hang out there in that ankle-deep place where, where you've just done the basics. But there's others of you, you, want, you feel the invitation to go deeper, to take more steps of faith. And I believe God wants you to take those steps in the simple church. We want to help you take those steps towards what God has for you. The dream goes on. He says, he measured off another 1,000 cubits, and he led me through water that was knee-deep. So now we're getting a little deeper. And some of you did that here today. Some of you came into this church service, and, and maybe you'd been here for a while, but this, is, this has kind of been how you've been during worship. You just kind of stand like this. You got your hands in your pocket. But man, when they got up here and started rapping, you started moving a little bit. Like, yeah, that's kind of outside of your comfort zone. You just started, everybody else is moving and getting excited, and you kind of get caught up in it. And maybe, maybe one of you went, woo, and just, and that was just like, and it scared you a little bit. Like, did I just do that? Did I just enjoy myself in church? Did I just engage in, or did I just throw my hand up and enjoy worship? Some, some of you went a little deeper today, right? So you, you, went, you went knee deep. And then the dream goes on. He said, he measured off with another thousand and led me to water that was up to waist deep. Now, you need to understand, the, the Spirit is leading him deeper and deeper into the waters. But these first three steps, ankle, knee, and waist deep, there's something you need to recognize and understand. Each one of them still has your feet on the ground. Each one of them still has you in control. That you've dipped in, you've gone ankle, gone knee, gone waist, and the water might be, getting, might be rushing a little bit around you, but you've still got control, man. You can still stand on your own. The next part of the dream is he says he measured off another thousand, because here's the invitation where he's taking him now. The invitation to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit looks like this. He said, he said, he measured off another thousand feet. He said, but now, or cubits, and now there was a river that I could not cross. In other words, he couldn't walk across it. That if he walk, kept walking into it, it was going to sweep him away and carry him. He said, because the water had risen and was now deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Now, when you read on, he talks about that, and he says, and once you get into that, once I got into that place where the river's carrying me, the river was teeming with life. See, there's a life God has for you, but it comes from you being fully submitted, fully immersed, baptized in his Holy Spirit. There's power for your life. There's power to make you a witness, to make you, enable you to make a God-sized difference in this world. The only problem is in order to live that life, you have to lose touch with the ground, that you have to choose to let, let the Holy Spirit carry you. And this is a beautiful picture of what it's like 
walking with the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like. And understand, I'm not pressuring you, and God is in, isn't in a hurry except on that first step. Look, that first step is something that's important for you to take, that first baptism, saying yes to Jesus. That's one you need to take because tomorrow's not promised to you. Our life is but, but a vapor. That's a decision I would encourage you to make today, to say yes to Jesus. You've been carrying the weight of your sins too long. You don't need to do it anymore. He paid for your bill. For you to refuse to allow Jesus to pay for your sins is you just insisting on paying the bill yourself when it's already been paid. So quit stressing about it. But the other, the other steps in your journey, God's not stressed and neither am I, but there's always an invitation. Always an invitation where Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Hey, there's more. Hey, there's more. There's more for you to have. And, and I want you to take those steps. I know that our Father in heaven celebrates when you take those steps, but you know what? I celebrate. It means so much to me to celebrate with you as you take steps. We've got one guy here at our church. He's been taking steps every week. He's been going to growth track, and he texts me afterwards. He's like, hey, pastor, I just wanted you to know today, today this is what happened in there. And as a result of what I learned today, I'm doing A, B, and C next week. Hey, pastor, I did this today. Hey, I'm going all in, and I want all God's got for me. Man, that blesses my heart and blesses my soul to hear when you take steps. Check this out. It's important that you take these steps, these steps of faith. Because in Hebrews 11, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he re rewards those who earnestly seek him. God knows you. He knows your heart and knows where you're at and doesn't expect perfection. But he's calling you to take a step. Take a step. It pleases him when you do. It makes my heart rejoice when you do as well. So here we land, ultimately, where you've re removed the barriers, where you've invited the Holy Spirit, you've asked for God to give him to you, and you receive him by faith. You can now know the beauty of what is relating to the Holy Spirit daily, where you live a life where he carries you along his river of grace, where he empowers you to do more than you ever thought you would able, be able to do. And it gives you the ability to make a bigger difference than you ever thought you could do alone because he's walking by your side. That's the life that I want for you. That's the life that I pray for you. I want you to know all God has for you. And so I'm gonna end this service and this series with a prayer for you. And I would just ask, just let me pray for you. And I'm gonna pray this verse found in 2 Corinthians 13. <laughs> And you close your eyes, but I'm going to keep mine open because I want, to, I want to read this verse and pray it exactly as it is. Father, today I pray for every person that is here, every person that's listening to the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that they would encounter the amazing grace of the Master Jesus, <laughs> that they would know exactly what he's done for them, the incredible display of love and all that he went through to show us how much you love us. Lord, I pray that, that as they encounter it, they would receive that grace, that they would receive that mercy, that they would receive forgiveness totally. And Lord, I pray that each and every single one of, them would, of us would encounter the extravagant love that you have for us, that as we receive that love, that it would restore every part of our life that is in ruins our marriages, our finances, our relationships, 
our opportunities, our emotions, and our morals. Lord, every part of our lives, Lord, let your love just restore every part of it. And Father, I pray that we are able to enjoy the daily intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit so that he can speak to us, so that he can transform and empower our lives so that together we can make a difference here on this earth. And Lord, it's in Jesus' name that I pray that for every single one of us. Now, as we continue in this moment of prayer, there are those of you that are here today that, that your next step is actually your first step. It's baptism into salvation. It's baptism into a relationship with Jesus where you're fully immersed in a love relationship with him. You don't have to join this church, but you do need to immerse yourself in that relationship. You need to receive the forgiveness that he has for your life. You need to receive Jesus and let him be Lord. And if that's you and you want to do that today, it begins privately. It begins in this moment where you pray a prayer. In fact, just so that you're not praying it by yourself, we're all going to pray this prayer in a moment. But in this moment, with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, just for me, this moment here is just for me and you. If you're going to pray that prayer with me today, would you just let me know? Would you just slip your hand up a little bit and say, Aaron, I'm going to pray that prayer today. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else say, Aaron, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Church, we're all going to pray out loud together. Nobody needs to pray alone. In fact, as they pray this prayer, it says they're being baptized into our church family. That's beautiful, isn't it? No family member needs to pray alone. So let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Today I give you my life. Will you give me yours? Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Show me how to live for you and give me your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.